Which is greater, truth or love? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Yet the Apostle Paul also commands later in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, that we are to be speaking the truth in love. So how are we to handle the balance between truth and love in our Christian lives and ministries? And how do we demonstrate love biblically? Dr. John Whitcomb will present the case that truth is greater than love, beginning today here on Encounter God's Truth. Hello again, I'm your host Wayne Shepherd, and we are continuing a new series called Basic Biblical Distinctions. It's based on a series of sermons that Dr. Whitcomb preached at Grace Bible Church in Elkhart, Indiana. We're very grateful for their partnership in allowing us to bring them to you here via the radio and the Internet. So right now, let's join the congregation and listen as Dr. Whitcomb speaks to us about the ultimate importance of biblical truth. It's part one of the message called, Truth is Greater Than Love. This may shock some people, especially in the generation in which we live, that truth, God's truth, revealed truth, biblical truth, is greater than love. Now, Jesus says this over and over again, but somehow in our generation, we miss the point. At least I often do myself. What does Jesus mean when he says things like that? Now, let's uh, turn in our Bible or in our memory bank (laughs) and see how this works. First of all, we're going to take a quick glance at the Great Commission that we looked at this morning. Then we'll look at some verses starting with John chapter 8. So you could be turning to John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said, do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and who else? God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Godhead, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Guess what's missing in the Great Commission? Love. Aren't we supposed to love one another, love other people, love the world? But this is strictly truth. Do you see it? Make disciples, baptize them, which is a visual aid for some truths about God, of course, and our relationship to Him. And then go around truthing people, telling them everything God said in the Bible. And I say, Lord, I'm fascinated now with how this is going to work in my Christian life and ministry. So uh, let's take a look at John chapter 8, verse 31. Are you there? Jesus, therefore, was saying, in the light of what? Verse 30. Many believed in him, and Jesus warned them. He warned them, and he's warning us tonight, isn't he? He was saying to those who had believed in him, if, if, if you abide in my word, my truth, then you are truly disciples of mine and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free my truth 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 now turn to john 14 please john 14 
That's how this is supplemented, implemented, explained, illuminated. John 14, look at verse 15, please. Hope you have a red pencil to mark these verses, as I often do in my Bible. Okay. If you love me, oh, yes, Jesus, we love you. Oh, but wait a minute. How do you know that's genuine? Here's the test. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Oh, there's a difference between just saying you love somebody or love God and doing something to demonstrate it. Jesus knows the difference, doesn't he? Between mere love or saying something like that and actually demonstrating that we are serious. Now, jump over, please, to verse 21. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. God is love, friends, but the center attribute, the basic attribute of God is holiness and truth, as we shall see. Okay. Now, jump down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will what? Keep my word. There's the test, how you can tell people whether they're serious or not whether they're in the realm of spiritual reality or not. They'll keep his word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Thank you, Jesus, for explaining that to us. I'm going to think about that, aren't you? Now flip to chapter 21, the last chapter of John. Chapter 21, Jesus has risen from the dead and appears to a group of his apostles by the Sea of Galilee and enables them to make a miraculous catch of fish and meets them on the shore and has a little breakfast fellowship. Then he looks at the apostle Peter. Now, Peter was very, very frequently saying, I love you, Jesus, I love you. But when the acid test came, he failed him and denied Jesus and cursed, you remember, in the courtyard. Now Jesus met him. Now watch this. John 21, 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You talk a lot about that, Simon. And he was greatly ashamed and embarrassed, I'm sure. So he blurted out, as he often did, Oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, All right, here's the test. Tend my lambs. That's a, an illustrative way of saying what? Obey my great commission. Teach people. Tell people who I am. What they have to do to know me. What they have to do to honor me. Tell people all about me. The only Savior in the world. God's own Son. All right? Verse 16. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him again, shepherd my sheep. In other words, teach my people. What are you doing out here in the Sea of Galilee fishing again? Uh, didn't you remember what I told you to do? Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. What are you doing out here, Peter? Do you really love me? All right, verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, 
feed my sheep. Well, Peter never forgot that one, folks, because we read in the first letter that Peter wrote, he wrote to under-shepherds of the flock of God. Feed the flock which is committed to you because you'll give an account to the chief shepherd. And he never forgot what Jesus said. In other words, here's the message, friends. At least I understand it this way. Don't talk a lot about love. Not even in your family. Demonstrate it. Prove it. Don't try to convince people you love them that there's no evidence that you're doing anything to show it. Those are very dangerous words. I love you if you don't mean it, especially to God. Peter never forgot the message, did he? All right. Now, what about the Apostle Paul? Turn to Acts chapter 20, please. The book of Acts, the next book, John Acts chapter 20. He's saying farewell to his disciples at Ephesus after two years of teaching them the whole counsel of God. Truth, 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 day after day, doctrine. And finally he says, goodbye, friends, I may never see you again. But here's something to remind you of my priorities. Are you ready? Chapter 20, verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel or purpose of God. What does that mean? I didn't shrink. I think he's thinking of Jeremiah the prophet. That's my opinion. Jeremiah got so frustrated teaching the truth of God because he was beaten up, put in the stocks. He was thrown into a pit. People hated him, hated him, hated him. Finally, Jeremiah said, I quit. I give up the ministry. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't like preaching and teaching anymore. The more I teach, the more people hate me. Uh, let me just escape somewhere to a little cottage out in the wilderness somewhere and have a vacation or a, I, I resign. But God overwhelmed him with what? As if there was a fire inside of him he could not contain. And he had to preach the word again and again. There were many things, Paul said, that I told you people that were unpleasant. See? Important, essential, but not altogether pleasant to talk about. Biblical separation. How to confront people who stray from the word of God. But I didn't shrink from telling you these things. Why not? Look at the previous verse. Look, look at verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Really? What does that mean? Well, friends, you remember what God told the prophet Ezekiel? You're a watchman, sir. And if you don't warn people of their wicked ways, they will die in their sins, but their blood is on your hand. Oh, really? If I don't tell people about the Lord... I'm accountable to some extent for what happens. I hate to think about that. My, I'm responsible to tell people the truth. Really? It's that serious? Yes. And I say, well, what, where does love fit in here now? Can you imagine a distraught mother rushing her desperately sick child to the emergency room? And, and, and the doctor says, uh, your child is in very serious condition. But we have some special medicine here that, that I'm sure will be of help to save the life of your child. And uh, the mother says, well, go ahead and give it to my baby. He said, but dear woman, I, I have a word of warning for you. This medicine is very unpleasant. Oh, then don't give it to my baby. Just give the baby some syrup. Because I love my baby. Oh, no. No, the baby will die. 
you must have the medicine. You don't talk about how much it costs or whether the baby likes it or not. You give the child what's necessary for survival. Every doctor knows that. Every mother ought to know that. You don't argue on that point, friend. You don't talk about syrup or things that are pleasant or make the baby happy. You talk about what's essential for salvation, for survival. Okay? So, Paul said, I, I'm sorry, you Ephesians, I'm leaving you, but I, I want you to know I leave with a clear conscience. I told you truthful things, essential things, ultimate things, hard things, controversial things, things that may have hurt your feelings, but I didn't shrink because I didn't want your blood to be in my hands. Oh, my. Now, as we mentioned this morning, it might have been in the men's group this morning, the Apostle Paul was very confrontive to people who compromised God's truth, especially to the church at Galatia that he had established in his first missionary journey. They had departed from the Word of God, compromised the truth. He was shocked. He said, even if an angel from heaven should tell you any other message, don't you dare believe it. Of course, he was thinking back at 1 Kings 13, where a prophet from the south, you remember, went north to denounce the northern king for his apostasy. And God said, don't you eat any meal up there? Don't you accept any invitation in that apostasy land? You come right back here to the Bible Belt in Judea. But what happened? He was exhausted. He was frustrated. He was hungry. He was tired. And so a, a teacher who had a, abandoned God's truth sent to him a messenger on his way home and said, an angel came to tell me, to tell my servant, to tell you that you're to come to our home for a meal and relax. And he was so desperate that he believed him. Now, now what happened? He, he disobeyed the known will of God. He might have said, well, the man said that an angel told him to tell me to do this. But even if an angel from heaven contradicts what God says, you don't say, I will now follow the angel. No true angel ever contradicts God in a message to men, ever, ever. But you see, the Galatians loved Paul. They, in chapter 4 of Galatians, they were willing to pluck out their eyes. Maybe he had an eye problem from some injury or persecution or something. They loved, you love me so much. Are you offended because I tell you the truth? Because, are you ready for this? For you Galatians, truth is greater than love. You love me? That's fine. Why don't you believe the message I gave you for your eternal salvation? Don't talk about loving me when you disobey the word of God that I left with you. My. Well, turn to Ephesians 4 now. Ephesians 4. Look how Paul deals with this matter of truth. My. Ephesians chapter 4, friends. And let's begin with verse 11. This is powerful. When Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, 40 days later, he did what? Ascended to heaven. Now watch what happened when he went back to heaven. You ready? He gave some as apostles. I mean, he gave gifts to the church. Farewell, church. I, I'm, I'm going to leave you some gifts. Now watch what they were. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Wait a minute. There's somebody missing. 
he didn't give any lovers. Just truthers. <laughs> Indoctrinators. <laughs> teachers. Do you catch it? Apostles were special teachers who had been with Jesus for three and a half years. Okay? Well, then, 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 then who are these prophets? They're men like Mark and Luke who had special revelation from God to write portions of Scripture. And James, you remember? And Jude. Okay? And the author of Hebrews. Okay? Prophets. Number three, who else did he send? An evangelist who went around leading people of the Lord and planting churches everywhere. And pastors and teachers who would follow them up and stay there for years if necessary to indoctrinate, teach them, and build the local churches. But the emphasis is what people who would communicate revealed truth. You say, well, where's love? Okay, keep reading. What's, what's the truth for? Are you ready? Verse 12. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of what? The faith, which is a body of revealed truth called the Bible, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, things that we know about Him, that somebody taught us, see? To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, so that we're not any longer what? Now don't be this, Next verse, watch it. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking what? The truth. But wait, wait a minute, Dr. Whitcomb, you, did, you didn't finish that verse. Speaking the truth in love. Oh, that's the ultimate will of God. Speak the truth, 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 but speak it in love. In love. Don't speak love. Speak truth in love. Now, that is so important because that's the way the church will grow. Now, now look, look, at, look at verse uh, 15 and 16. Are you there? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. He's the head of the body, the church from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. Now, at this point, friends, we, we take one glance at this statement, because I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of 1 Corinthians 13, so am I, which says, And now abideth these three, Faith, hope, and what? Love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. But you know that you, you do know the central verse of the chapter, don't you? Watch this. Love rejoices with the truth. You know what that chapter ends with? Faith, hope, and love are virtues. But a virtue can't exist without truth. Truth is the ultimate frame of reference within which each virtue, faith, you have to believe something. Hope, you have to believe something. Love, you have to implement truth to somebody if you really love them. You give them the right medicine, the right dosage, the right message if you really love people. Because love rejoices in what? Truth. Truth is therefore greater than love. That's the point. Truth is infinitely superior to virtues. Because without truth, virtues mean nothing. 
See, that's one of our problems in America today. Many parents, millions of parents would say, we love our children. Well, that's fine. Well, what are you doing for them? Well, we just let them watch whatever they want to do and do whatever they do. We would never spank them or confront them or hurt them because they're so precious and so you don't love them. You're not loving them. You're destroying them. So be very careful, friends, what, what we do with that word, I love you, or I love them, my children, or my loved ones, or my friends. God says, now be very careful here. If you really love people biblically, you will do for them what is necessary for their salvation, edification, spiritual growth, maturing in the gospel of truth. Thank you, Lord. I got the point. I got the point. Okay? Now, this is one of the most difficult passages for me in the New Testament. Let's turn to Philippians 1. You're in Ephesians. Next book, Philippians. Chapter 1. Paul is now in prison in Rome. He has crossed the Mediterranean Sea, almost shipwrecked. Well, he was really. But he finally arrived in the capital city, the Roman Empire, where the emperor lived. And he's in prison. Okay. What was he doing in prison? He wrote to his favorite supporting church in Philippi this letter. Now watch. You ready? Let's begin with verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. I mean, Paul just won't quit. He, he just, he's obsessed with what? Getting the gospel to people everywhere. So each night he got chained to a different guard. And guess what happened to the guard? <laughs> he got evangelized. <laughs> I mean, what a blessing to be a guard chained to the Apostle Paul all night. <laughs> he got the whole counsel of God from Genesis to whatever. <laughs> Uh, really? Uh, yes, look at the next verse. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. My, true Christians in, the, in Rome have heard that I have arrived in Rome as the apostle of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And many of them, not, now, now careful here, not all, now watch this, most of the brethren, most of the brethren have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now, here we go. This gets a little complicated. It's This is the, uh, the A group right here. Every place an evangelist, a missionary, a Christian goes, he'll find maybe at least three groups of Christians. Here's the A group. And the, uh, tonight, Pastor, there's nobody here except the A group. Now watch. Amen. <laughs> they have goodwill. They love the Apostle Paul. They know what they're preaching. They have pure motives. They are doing. They're, they're, they have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. This is the A group. Okay. But wait a minute. There's another group of Christians in the area who don't like you. They feel threatened by you. This man is going to compete with me in my ministry. He's going to take my sheep from me. I mean, I'm the preacher in town, and here's somebody else coming to town preaching, and I don't like that. I, I, I'm number one. 
Oh, you say, oh no, not, not a real preacher. Yeah, these are people who preach the truth without love. Now watch. Here we go. This is good. This is hard. Are you there? Verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. But some also from goodwill. That's the A group. The latter do it out of love, the A group, knowing I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. But the former, the B group, now watch this group now. And these are real Christians who know, who know the truth. Now watch what they are doing to Paul. Verse 17. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Love rejoices with the truth. And the Lord Jesus told us in John chapter 14, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We'll have to pause in our study there for this week until we pick up next time with more from this message, Truth is Greater Than Love. It's part of a new series here on Encounter God's Truth called Basic Biblical Distinctions. And its theme is right in line with the message that you hear us present each and every week on this program, that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. Whitcomb Ministries is grateful for the opportunity that God has given us to minister to you through this means. Find us online at whitcombministries.org, and from there you can go directly to sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb, where you can always hear all of our broadcast archives. To keep up with us throughout the week, see our latest postings at facebook.com slash Ministries. We'd love to read your testimonies there as well. I'm Wayne Shepherd, thanking you for listening to another edition of Encounter God's Truth. Until we're together next week, may the Lord bless you.